I'm Dave Breckenridge, and you're listening to 10-3. In Canadian politics, the legislature clerk, the sergeant-at-arms, and the Speaker of the House aren't often thrust into the spotlight. But in BC, the men in those three roles have been embroiled in controversy since it was revealed that two of them have been suspended from their jobs, now the subject of a secret RCMP investigation sparked by the work of the third. We look at what led to the suspensions, how long this has been going on, and what it says about the structure of our legislature systems. It's Thursday, December 6th. We'll get to our conversation in just a second, but first, I want to let you know, if you're listening to this show through a web browser, you can get every episode directly to your smartphone. Find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Oh, and don't forget to leave a review. It would make my Christmas. I was shocked on November the 20th, as I know many of you were, to learn that I was being put on administrative leave due to a pending investigation into my actions. Rob Shaw covers provincial politics for the Vancouver Sun. So, Rob, who are the people under investigation and why has this turned into such a political hot potato at the legislature? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, from covering politics, it's usually the politicians, the ones that are involved in scandals. And what makes this one so unique is it's the table officers. So the people in the robes that are sitting there quietly that you never really notice, who are actually the ones who know all the rules of a legislature, who know the procedures, who advise the politicians on how to pass the laws. So it's the clerk and the sergeant at arms of the legislature here who are accused of doing something. We are still not entirely sure what that something is, but in the middle of one of the days here at the legislature a couple weeks ago, uh, there was a sudden motion made by the government house leader for the NDP government who uh, asked MLAs to vote to put both men on paid administrative leave. They were in the building at the time. They had just finished conducting question periods. So this chaos erupted in the hallway where the men were here, they were holding their belongings and being escorted out of the building by police in the middle of the day. <laughs> and it was just, it was a surreal scene and um, no one knew what to make of it. We've never seen anything. It's unprecedented in BC's history and, and possibly in Commonwealth history to have the two highest ranking officers, uh, nonpartisan officials in a parliament, in a legislature suspended like this. So that it has proved to be Two, three, two, almost three weeks of high drama here in, in BC. So you're saying that you, the media, don't know why these people have been suspended or even why they were under investigation. Do the politicians know? I don't think they do. No, I mean, gossip is the currency of trade here uh, in any provincial legislature. And none of the MLAs I've talked to know for sure. Uh, and in fact, it turns out that the MLAs didn't know when they voted to suspend the two men as well. They had just been told that there's some type of police investigation. There are two special uh, special prosecutors appointed to oversee it. The two men, Clerk uh, Craig James and Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lentz, they held a press conference recently and they said they still don't know. They haven't been told what they're accused of. They haven't been told why they're suspended. Um, so... I think there's a very small group of people who actually know what's going on here. And one of them uh, is the speaker of our legislature, Daryl Plekis, and his friend slash aide, a man he recently hired by the name of Alan Mullen. And it turns out they were conducting a secret seven-month investigation into the clerk and sergeant-at-arms without telling any MLAs in this building. And they turned that information over to police 
they are not saying what they found or what the allegations are. The police aren't saying, the special prosecutors aren't saying, and I don't think the MLAs know. And in fact, I don't think they want to know. We talked to Premier John Horgan about this, and he said he would rather not know because they don't want politicians in the middle of this. They want independent special prosecutors uh, handling this with the police and, and no kind of stench of political interference. And that makes sense, right? The An investigation of this magnitude probably shouldn't have political interference. But on the other hand, you run into a situation where these are people who are officers of a very public body, and you would hope that if there were uh, as an there was an investigation going on, that the public would have some insight as to what exactly is going on in their house of government, right? Mm-hmm. Is there anyone who's arguing that side of the debate? There are some people, and I think even the premier admits that the confidence in our institution of government here is at stake, and he wants the investigation wrapped up very quickly either way because um, this is, as everyone here has admitted, this is an unprecedented crisis to have the senior management of our legislature that has an $80 million budget suspended for unknown allegations shakes people's trust in the kind of the core institution of how we run our government. And uh There is an argument. There's two sides of this. One is that the police should not say anything about any allegation until or if anyone is charged and no one has been charged yet. So if you put an allegation out and the person's not charged, you've damaged their reputation. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it is hard to imagine a scenario where these reputations are damaged any worse than in the middle of the day being taken out of the building in front of all the politicians and media by police and suspended publicly. I mean, the two men have argued that their their reputations are destroyed. So you, I think somewhere in the middle, at this point, it's so public, it is so high profile that there is some incumbency on the police to provide at least some sketch of what's going on here. And the other problem we have is we've had a couple high profile police investigations in the political world in BC in the last few years, and they take forever. They take three to five years, and often they peter out at the end with very minor charges, uh, you know, determinations by Crown prosecutors that they, there's not a substantial likelihood of conviction, and the thing just ends up so unsatisfying um, for the public in terms of any resolution. You never really find out what this was all about, and that is an open question here. If this is going to take three to five years and just kind of whimper away and these two men may or may not ever be charged with anything, and we don't ever know, that's very unsatisfying and basically unacceptable to um, the damage that it's going to cause to our institution here and the confidence the public has in our government. So that's the kind of discussion that's going on here uh, right now on this subject. And one has to wonder whether the allegations are related to something involving their jobs or their relationship within their jobs, how they work together, or whether they may be involved allegedly in something outside of their jobs. Mm-hmm. And and I think that in the absence of information, it creates a, a fairly uh, problematic picture for uh, the government in the, as a body and not just as politicians, but wondering what is going on in the legislature. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speculation here. And, and again, no one's been charged and nothing's been tested in court. But the first thing that everyone starts talking about is financial. Is there some financial problem at the legislature? And what makes that ironic is that our legislature in BC went through a scandal in 2012 where the Auditor General came in and looked at the books and said, my God, these books are so poorly managed, I can't even tell if there's any money missing. 
And the legislature went through this massive overhaul led by Clerk Craig James, who had just started that job. He brought in all sorts of checks and balances. He brought in Auditor General staff. He brought in Comptroller staff. He started public meetings. He got the financial books audited for the first time every year. The budget was debated in public. So if it is financial, and we don't know for sure, but if it is, that's going to be deeply disturbing for everyone too because these are the people who helped the legislature in BC get to the modern age of transparency and accountability. And that's why a lot of people are really struggling with this because um, they have been shining examples of how to um, you know, reform this place successfully. And uh, it's, it's disconcerting to see them facing unknown allegations now. So for people who don't quite understand the inner workings of government, Mm -hmm. what do the clerk and the sergeant at arms do? What are they responsible for? Well, the best way to, to think of it is that the clerk is the CEO of the legislature itself. So the legislature has staff for Hansard, the transcription service, security, um, the library, all the, the people in the building, they handle an $80 million budget um, and, uh, you know, the education programs and tours and parliamentary speaking engagements. So the, the clerk is the boss, the, the, the deputy minister, if you will, of the legislative assembly. And the sergeant at arms, uh, Gary Lenz, who's a former RCMP officer, they're actually, it looks like they have a ceremonial role, you know, they carry the mace into the legislature. But in fact, they handle the scanners that make sure you can't get in with a gun or a weapon. They do the security checks. We had a terrorism threat um, to blow up the legislature a few years ago here. And now security has a very close relationship with the CSIS and the RCMP. So they're basically the two senior ranking nonpartisan officials. They stay in their jobs. In fact, the clerk has a lifetime job guarantee, basically, so that politicians do not interfere with these positions because they're the ones who keep the legislature running. They know how to pass the bills. They tell the politicians where they need to sit and how they vote. Um, no matter an election or a minority government or a confidence vote or any of the stuff we've had in BC the last few years, it's the senior staff of the building who make it run. And the speaker, there's a lot of debate now about the speaker because they're just an MLA Mm -hmm. who is basically elected by the other MLAs to be the referee of the proceedings. And yet the speaker becomes nominally in charge of the legislature. They're like the minister responsible. And the question that we're having now debated in BC is, is it okay for the minister to investigate with their own aid, the deputy minister or the clerk? Is that acceptable? And it's not the practice that you would use in government. The minister in Alberta, in BC, in other provinces, they don't get to hire and fire civil servants. We, we firewall politicians from being able to go in and execute their enemies uh, inside the civil service. That's something that the deputy minister and the head of the civil service do. So there's lots of discussions here about the role of the speaker. Is it acceptable for them to start investigating staff and political interference and all sorts of things? It's, um, it is a very messy and completely uncharted territory. And you don't, um, you don't ever really see this. So there's not a lot of precedent anywhere else to kind of point to and say, is this how we should be doing it? And we will look back on this one day, all legislatures and probably in the Commonwealth will learn something about how to handle table officers who face allegations because it just, it just doesn't happen very often at all. We'll be right back. 
I want to tell you about a discount we're offering exclusively for 10.3 listeners on all Post Media digital subscriptions so you can get access to more great reporting on the issues that matter to you. When subscribing to the National Post, the Ottawa Citizen, the Montreal Gazette, the Saskatoon Star Phoenix, Regina Leader Post, Edmonton Journal, Calgary Herald, or the Vancouver Sun, just enter promo code PODCAST and you'll get 50% off a one-year digital subscription. It's a great way to stay informed. Again, that's promo code PODCAST. You know, you raise a good point that many people may not know much about the Speaker of the House other than he or she is the person who sits at the end of the legislature between the aisles um, and kind of... Wears a funny hat. It's like a triangle hat. Wears a funny hat and a robe and, and as you say, is the referee. I, you know, up until this happened, I was not aware that the Speaker had the power to launch detailed months-long investigations into officers of the legislature. I don't know if the Speaker does, and that's the real question. I think if you were, if you were to put this in a normal government situation with a minister and a deputy minister, the minister can't hire a political aide to investigate the deputy minister. It just simply does not work that way. You have to have a process, and that's the real question. I don't, I don't know if the speaker is allowed to do what the speaker did here, but they turned all that information over to the RCMP. The RCMP got two special prosecutors, and they confirmed they're actively investigating something, and that sort of takes precedent. Once you have a police investigation here, all the politicians throw their hands up in the air and back away very quickly. And the other complicating factor here is that the aide to the speaker who was hired to do this investigation has a bit of a checkered past. And it was revealed that uh, at the meeting in which they tried to suspend these two officers, the speaker said, well, why don't we just make my aide the new sergeant at arms? Hmm. And that has caused a lot of problems here at the legislature as well. The Liberal Party, our opposition, said that's completely unacceptable. You know, you can't have a politician forcing these two people out and then trying to install their friend into one of the jobs. What's going on? It is very complicated. And a lot of the questions come back to this speaker, this guy with the weird triangle hat who most people don't notice. How much power do they actually have in the real world to do this kind of stuff? And, and we just... We just have never tested that uh, theory, really. We allow them in the in the legislature to stop proceedings, to stop heckling, to you know be that referee. But outside in the real world, what what are their powers? And that's kind of the test case we have here. So, how do this the clerk and the sergeant at arms get appointed? Who hires them? Who's responsible for bringing them in? Yeah, it's another good question that we've been wrestling with. Uh, the clerk is hired by the MLAs. They have to vote on the clerk's appointment. And like I said, it's a lifetime job. So it's a vote in the assembly itself. The speaker is kind of the clerk's almost um, supervisor. It, the, the speaker is not the clerk's employer. And this is something we've been wrestling with here is the idea that maybe the speaker had an obligation if he felt there was something wrong in the building to investigate his staff. The clerk is not his staff. He does not employ the clerk. The clerk's employed by the House through the MLAs. And so it's another very complicating factor here. This, the system's set up 
so that the clerk can give advice and maintain independence and be nonpartisan, no matter if we have an NDP government, a liberal government, a weird coalition government of, of a whole bunch of different stripes. You can't mess with the clerk. They're the stable force. And that that is part of the problem here is this idea that um, MLAs hired them. MLAs have put them on suspension. MLAs didn't know what it was about. They took advice from the speaker and maybe the speaker shouldn't have gone about it the way he did. So it's a um, it's an interesting uh, case study. Now, there seems to be a lot of attention focused on the speaker in this case. Obviously, he and his friend, his aide, are the ones that launched this investigation and forwarded the information onto the RCMP. But you had a piece recently in the last couple of days about how the speaker is kind of living in limbo mm -hmm. in BC right now uh, due to the minority legislature situation and the fact that he's not from the government bench and the fact that he's not very friendly with the liberals. What is going on with the speaker's office there? Yeah, he. so our speaker, Daryl Plekis, has a very contentious history. He's a criminologist who was recruited by the Liberal Party and he was a Liberal MLA. He didn't make cabinet uh, under the government of Christy Clark. And after Christy Clark lost power in our 2017 election, he went to a caucus meeting and he tried to force her out. And he said, I'm going to quit unless she quits. And there was a big flurry behind the scenes and eventually she quit. And then we learned later that just a couple weeks after that, he started negotiating with the new NDP Green government to be their speaker. And he basically defected from the Liberal Party to be the new speaker. And he burned so many bridges here. He salted the earth with his relationship with the Liberals. And the Liberal Party here, which has more MLAs than the other two parties, but it's still not in power, they hate him. They hate him with this burning passion. They have refused to go to any event that the speaker has organized in the last 14 months. They won't be seen with him. They won't talk to him. Half the time in the House, they try to undermine him by not listening to him. So he's very isolated. On the other hand, the NDP government that recruited him put him in the job and basically left him alone. And one of the problems here is that he's been isolated. He hasn't had anyone to turn to for advice. Half the building hates his guts and walk out of the room whenever he comes in. And it's a dysfunctional work environment, and he's a polarizing figure. And now the liberals see his weakness on the suspension um, scandal as a way to try and force him out of office. And so you have them attacking the speaker publicly. You have them try to question the speaker in question period, which has never happened in British Columbia's history. You question ministers, not the speaker. And the politics are now in play. The liberals want to take this guy out speaker or not. And the NDP need him to stay because we have an almost tie in our legislature. And if they lose the speaker, they have to put up a member into the speaker's chair and they lose another vote. So the NDP are willing to do anything to keep Daryl Plekis as speaker. The liberals are willing to do anything to get him out. And there, I, I wrote recently, I called it a proxy war between the two parties. Uh, and while this scandal is very, very important a lot of what's being said about it is basically just kind of a re-fight of, uh, of the two parties in the last election going at it, using this as the ammunition to try and make each other look bad. And so the speaker tried to foist his friend into the role of sergeant-at-arms. Mm -hmm. What happens now? I'm assuming that because the liberals said no, that that's not going to happen, right? 
Yeah, well, they so that that plan, I guess to MLA's credit, that plan got nixed by all parties. They took the Greens, the NDP, the Liberals heard that idea and said, no way are we doing that. But the question is the judgment shown by the speaker to even suggest it in the first place. So that's not happening. We have our deputy clerk and our deputy sergeant at arms. They've stepped up into the full roles on an interim basis. And the building keeps functioning. It We passed 21 bills this session, despite the whole thing turning into a giant rolling mess near the end of our session. Um, so it's still functioning. The question now is, is how long is this going to take and what happens to the two men in the interim period? And they're what... Because they're appointed by the House, um, our legislature adjourned for the winter break last week, and they can't be reinstated or brought back into their jobs or fired or anything until the legislature comes back in February. So those two men, the clerk and sergeant at arms, are in limbo until MLAs come back, and likely they're going to be in limbo for many months, if not years, based on how long these investigations typically take. And they're not going to get their jobs back uh, while this police investigation is going on. The speaker will either be vindicated or in deep, deep trouble if this thing doesn't play out into major charges and convictions. And uh, we get stuck in this holding pattern, basically, for months, if not years, uh, until we either get charges or we end up in court. And uh, if we don't, then the other question is, are we ever going to know what this was really about uh, if they don't end up charging them? So it's not in the immediate term. There's a lot of public frustration that they don't know anything about it. And I just don't see that changing anytime soon until this uh, very lengthy police investigation kind of wraps up. Hmm. Well, you know, it, it's a fascinating controversy and, and definitely shines a light on pieces of provincial governments that... People probably had no idea of how they worked. Uh, Rob, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me on. Here's what else is happening. New Brunswick's new Premier Blaine Higgs has joined a chorus of other Premiers and federal politicians hoping to restart the Energy East pipeline project. And he thinks he can get Quebec on board. In advance of a meeting of the Prime Minister and Premiers on Friday, Higgs said the issue comes down to economic benefit to all provinces, including Quebec. But so far, Quebec Premier Francois Legault has said he's not interested. Pipelines should be among the hot topics at the meeting on Friday as the Premiers of both Alberta and Saskatchewan wrote an open letter to the PM asking for the oil crisis to be added to the agenda. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Thanks to my guest Rob Shaw. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.